Hello, and welcome to Sutra Sidewatch, Episode 8. I'm your host, Cameron Chustar, and with me is... Brandon from Apollo City Comics. We are in the second half of April, and of course it's Ralph Bakshi month. And Brandon, we chose, uh, or you chose for your birthday month, another bakshi favorite of yours you want to you want to tell us a little bit about this one oh my gosh roscoe and t'challa just attack each other i, I know, know if, you little, if you guys if you guys hear a little bit of, i'm gonna leave that in if you hear a little bit of tapping that's a dog and a cat just racing duking it out right now yeah um so ralph bakshi you know i chose this film because i think it's probably I want to say one of the most diverse or kind of craziest films that he's made uh, in terms of story. We were really captivated by Fire and Ice, by the visual aspect and, you know, the the genre of it. But what makes this film amazing is the story. And today's movie is American Pup. Um, I I grew up seeing this movie around my uncle's like uh, house like when I was a kid. And I'd seen it like kind of on the TV for a moment or two, but I didn't get it. I really didn't understand what was going on because, you know, I was like in elementary school when I would see it for a moment. Um, and I was never really one to watch it as a kid. I couldn't, I never found it too interesting. And it wasn't until like I was like in college, uh, just starting. And I was like, you know what? I want to check this out. I remember seeing this cover and I remember hearing about it and I watched it and I was like, this is the, it's such an amazing story. It's such an amazing movie. Uh, I don't know what other film that can go through World War Two, one, two, the Korean War, Vietnam, uh, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire, Kent State, Fink Sinatra, um, Eva Tangri, Even... the Sex Pistols, Allen Ginsberg, Benny Goodman, Probation Gang Wars, um, just all mixed into one film, and it's like a... also like the Russian, like oh, yes. Uh... Like when they're just, it, it sucks being Jewish in Russia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's It covers so much ground in an hour and like 20 minutes or whatever it is. Like, I don't even think it's an hour and a half. I want to say it's a little bit shorter than that. But it's like four generations and it's so captivating and it's so heartbreaking. It is one of the saddest movies I have ever watched in my life. And you can't help but like kind of choke up whenever you watch it because you just nothing goes right for this family and somehow they keep on going through and then even the way it ends the last character we see how it all connects and it's so remarkable what they were able to do for an animated feature you know um i think that's why this one really stands out against any of his other films like fritz the cat you know that's that was a comic uh beforehand and he kind of did, did it and did his own spin fire and ice that was kind of pulled from different stuff his lord of the rings film that of course poured from lord of the rings and then his other stuff were kind of made but on his own as well but they were very kind of in a cartoony sense it wasn't as serious and dramatic as this one uh this film i don't know how it doesn't get more reception or more buzz uh especially from like musicians and everything from all over the place uh it is and, you know, as a musician myself, I think that's why I also really gravitated toward this, this one in general. It, do you want to break down the story or do you want me to? Um, I mean, I guess I could start with the beginning of yeah. it in terms of just like the story itself of the film. Yeah, yeah. Just because it, it's it's crazy how much we travel. This starts back in maybe the early 1900s. 
It's like early 1900s, late 1800s, practically for the. It's. it's I guess it is 1900. It's hard to say mm-hmm. because it's during the time of Russia where the Tsar. It feels like it's. I don't think it's the Tsar ordering the killing of firstborn Jewish sons, mm-hmm. uh, which actually involves my own family, but. Uh, it's like that whole thing. It, ironically, the one thing that came up when I th- when I watched this was freaking uh, an American Tale, the animated film with Fifeful Mouskowitz, yes. which uh, which same exact thing here. It's like like you know a little bunch of little Jewish mice, but this whole thing is the Czar ordering did the deaths of like these uh, Jewish Russian Russian Jews. And there's Cossacks who are like loyal czar soldiers. They're pretty much like enforcers. They're pretty much like war criminals, practically, mm-hmm. though, at the same time. Uh, they go around and they destroy Jewish homes. They kill Jews. It's like this whole thing. And it's actual history of Russian Jews, which why so many fled to America and fled to other parts. Like my own family, I don't believe uh, this might have been a different part, but like mine like one man because he was the firstborn fled to uh romania oh wow and that's like where the romanian jewish part like started getting heavy but uh yeah it's uh it starts off there and you have a rabbi his son his wife like in this part of this jewish community that's being destroyed by the cossacks and he stay it's insane because he he's he's delivering a sermon and everyone's running because they're like oh god it's the cossacks and he stays and he's like, I'm going to finish delivering the prayer here. I'm not going to stop. So the mom gets her son and gets out and he gets murdered by the Cossacks. And the boy, his, his uh, name was, let me double check, Z- Zalmi, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, they, they immigrate to America and she's working in a factory He to survive. He is just wandering He's supposed to be learning, I guess, like a at some synagogue or something. He's supposed to be learning something Hebrew, mm-hmm. and he finds uh, I can't remember his name. I always space uh, out uh, that guy's name. He's such an important character too, because um, uh, he it's is it Louis? Louis, that sounds right. Yeah, it's yeah. like Louis and this old guy, and they're like show business guys, and he starts passing out the posters and stuff. And it, honestly, I wasn't really sure what was going to happen because I'm like, oh, is this about this kid mm-hmm. and just his time in America. And it's like, yeah, but also no. <laughs> yeah. You don't really have like a main character in this film. And I think that's very all. unique. You know, it's the family is the main character. Like this bloodline is the protagonist, which is such an odd. And they pulled it off. Great. You know, by all yeah. means, you know, but it's such a unique way to tell a story to just kind of go from child to child. But yeah, it starts. That's his. It really the first half of the film is all him. Um, yeah, it's it's like their whole it's the journey of him, and then it goes down his his line, his lineage of his his son, and his son's son, and his son's son's son, mm-hmm. and it's just like a full. I want to say, if you really look at it from start to finish, it's technically five generations if you count the rabbi mm-hmm. that gets murdered. Yeah, I uh, so you you have five generations of Russian Jewish immigration that eventually incorporates Italians and I believe just regular like um, Caucasian farmer 
Heartland American. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, it, it's it's interesting watching it all just unfold through like early 1900s all the way up to the late, I guess the late 70s or 1980 itself. Because this movie came out, what, in 81? Uh, 82? Yes. I want to say it was 81. I think you're correct on that. Uh, I will double check. 1981. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I'd assume it either stops at 1979 or 1980 here because you get into like that rock and roll type of stuff at the very end. But I feel like, you know, we're going to I don't want to explain the whole thing, but we're definitely going to go in depth on like each character Mm -hmm. and each story told because there's so much that happens. And I got to say, watching this movie, it was it's really beautiful because there's a mix of different things going on in it, Mm -hmm. like in terms of just even like it's not even just animation. They put so much into this that I was not expecting. But also when you when you actually witness the stories occurring and like the the lives of these characters you're i'm just hit with just full-on depression (laughs) it's like i'm just completely depressed watching i'm like i can't i feel so there's uh, there's small moments where i smile because something nice happens but then i realize in my in the back of my mind like oh no what's gonna happen what's gonna happen man like yeah. i can't bl- something's gonna happen and then it does and i just feel so bad and it hurts too because it's like you know i'm i'm not fully jewish obviously but i i straight up have that full-on uh eastern european jewish lineage mm-hmm. of like family that left russia because of things have jews being persecuted to uh go to romania and then come here to america and then, you know, like World War II happens and the family that stays in Romania, you know, they they don't survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my family there is not existent anymore. Um, but like you have that whole immigration here to the U.S. and eventually like, you know, people move throughout and everything else. And then you eventually get me. And like it's that whole thing of immigrants mixing too. like I'm not like if by the end of it, the last kid in that generation isn't just European Jewish. And, or like Russian Jewish and like look at me I'm like the same thing practically at this point too so it's like that whole breakdown there it's so it's so interesting just seeing that all unfold that's super cool that you said that because that's one of the biggest reasons I really got into this film as well uh, my family were they escaped uh, Germany uh, during World War Two, uh, and literally they were on a boat and two days later um, uh, Germany invaded Poland like it was right there they were like one of the last boats to leave to the u.s and you know it was kind of hard to trace our roots but we really think that my grandfather was jewish um not only did he change he took out the von out of our last name which i'm totally gonna put back von blockstorf how did that happen but um we (laughs) (laughs) i'm totally totally gonna bring that back but uh we really don't have any other like evidence that we were of any religions that makes us think that they really did wipe the jewish half out and kind of come over here as Catholics and kind of converted because they were just trying to hide that aspect of them. Uh, my great, uh, my my grandfather uh, kind of had hints that that that's what occurred. Um, my family had a uh, like a cigar shop in Germany, and that kind of traced to a bunch of things. And they do think there was some Jewish heritage in there. Um, explains my nose and everything too. And so we <laughs> got that hook, you know. <laughs> great. <laughs> 
um but that was a big reason why like i kind of i found that i found out about that aspect and then i rewatched this film um a few years later and it was just like i felt even more connected to it because of that because that whole immigration status how my family moved you know they went through new york and then they ended up in erie pennsylvania which is like that you know it's that white country basically and then they move my grandfather joined the military here and then he came down to el paso where he met my grandmother and they basically where they stayed but that entire journey and the musical aspect um my i believe someone i was either my great grandfather i believe was also like into music or it was my great grandmother but my uncle was kind of a musician and he was always kind of doing the bar scene and trying to do that so i grew up with musicians around me all the time and i grew up as a musician i started playing trombone like in middle school and then i switched to bass when i was 14 and guitar i played music non-stop i studied it I, I toured i did all this stuff and up until like five years ago um that's when i really focused on writing but like that whole connection that immigration the music aspect everything just kind of blended in for me and it just made this movie just that much more captivating and that much more like i don't know intense whenever something happened you know yeah no for sure it did and Man, it, it hits uh, it hits home, like, especially by the time, like, part of the movie takes place in San Francisco, where I was, you know, born and raised and stuff. Exactly. And it, mm-hmm. it's just, God, there's so much that just happens in this. And isn't Ralph Bakshi himself also, is he Jewish? I want to say so. Uh, I... He, he's from New York, <laughs> so he does have that kind of <laughs> mix, you know what I mean? And Bakshi yeah. does sound uh, kind of like a Jewish name. I could... Uh, da, 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 da. I don't know if it says it directly on anywhere, but no, I don't think so. I don't really see anything about it right now. Um, okay. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, yeah. Born to, uh, I can't even say that, Krimchak, Jewish family, K-R-Y-M-C-H-A-K. Um, but yeah, he was Jewish and he grew up in, in Brooklyn. Uh, and I think, you know, I think that's what really resonates so much in this film is that his New York heritage the dialects and the diction that all these characters have dude amazing like every single lineage has like that new york tone that speak you know and it stands out so much from generation to generation i'm so sorry my cat is like fighting a brown paper bag i don't know if it's gonna pop up on the recording but it's he's, like, okay fighting this the, the listeners want to know who wins at the end so you have to let them know uh what happens after that <laughs> i just hear the but... like Ka-ka! <laughs> and I know he's just like stomping <laughs> on it right now, but um, yeah, there he goes. Uh, but uh, I don't. Know, he really brought everything he knew personally, and I think that was a big thing with American Pop was that he wanted not to tell like a personal story, but to tell a story that he knew a lot about. You know, um, I yeah. think he would just really. I, I forgot what film he did it for. Um, <laughs> He did it. There was like some scene where there was like, oh, Fritz the cat, Fritz the cat. This is how it tells you how. Oh, no, not again. I know. <laughs> well, everyone needs to watch that movie at least once in their life. Um, guys, I'll <laughs> um, but I'll do it eventually. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, one day. We'll decide if we'll do an episode on it <laughs> once you watch it at least once. Um, yeah, I mean, you, have to make, you have to make me do it. <laughs> uh, cats, sex, and drugs. What else can you want in a movie? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but. There's a scene, the very beginning scene, it's like with construction workers and they're just talking. They're straight up just hanging out and talking. And Ralph, when he was trying to figure out how to write characters like this and 
um, I've done similar things, but not to this intensity, but he would go out to construction yards and just hang out with the guys or he'd invite them all over and just buy some beer and just let them all ramble and talk. And he would just like listen and just straight up just study how what they spoke about, how they said what they said. And that way, when he made the film and you watch that that speak in the construction part, that's 100 percent accurate. Like this guy really just knew his stuff and he really just studied and try to understand what he was creating and to be uh, honest, basically, you know? Um, and I think that really resonates in this one, uh, especially as you go through this insane musical journey, how we go from, dude, from uh, like on stage, very beginning, uh, I can't even like- Like, like cabaret girls. Yeah, cabaret girls, like show tunes type of aspects. And we go into like the, um, I'm spacing out what it's called, but when they perform for the military, um oh uh is it uso shows? yeah like uso shows and whatnot do oh man, that part that scene broke my heart um oh the in world war one yes yeah and it you know as a kid you know he's uh what's his name um oh uh, uh, dang it i know <laughs> i had to look at the mdb because i was like i can't what uh it was uh zombie zombie yeah there yeah. you go um he's hanging out with louis and these guys and then he, he i guess his, you know, his dad has passed away. He was the rabbi. And then there's that fire that just takes out his mom who's working in like a sweatshop and they're just barricaded inside that building. And the footage they use, that that mixed media aspect, how they use live footage, real footage. And then they did rotoscoping over some of it where they animated over that footage. And then they switched into like single stills of actual photographs. And then you have the painted backgrounds in some of those scenes. It's such an epic way to view a movie. It's kind of... Oh yeah, all over the place, but it works. Like, and I, I really feel like he's the only director. It doesn't take you out of it at all. No, no, he's the only one that I feel that can pull it off. You know, yeah, I've never seen any animation like this that has been this good. And the thing with rotoscoping, especially he said with uh, American Pop, was that it's really hard to get facial expressions. Um, but he, you know, I read that and then I watched the film and I was like, damn, I don't know, American Pop some of these facial expressions are so good for an animated movie that's literally being drawn over from acting. Um, you know, some parts look a little weird, but you figure it's just the animation or the animator style and whatnot. But uh, it's really captivated very well. But the fire scene, dude, I guess that's the second scene that really breaks your heart. The first scene that breaks your heart is the very first scene in the film where his father... Yeah, just a bunch of... Yeah, the Cossacks coming after to kill a bunch of... I was like, oh my God, I can't. <laughs> I know. It is. Uh, I hyped this movie up for you so much, and I don't think you were expecting. Um, I was not expecting it to start off with just the yeah the, that whole cleanse. <laughs> I was crying, like, oh, crying shit. three minutes in, you know. <laughs> um, but you know, his mom passing away, dude. That is just so brutal, and it's she was trapped, and they all basically burned to death, you know. Um, and then the kid, after being out with his, you saw how bad they were struggling. Like he got a banana for his mom. He spent out yeah. the entire night working for these two guys, got a penny, bought a banana, and handed it to his mom. And his mom just starts breaking down in tears um, because she knows her boy is now working to help him survive. And she just knows it's rough. Um, there's a lot that's, you know, a lot of show don't tell in this film. You really need to watch it and pay attention to visual cues. You can't just have it on in the background. You're really, yeah. you really got to just, just get immersed in it. But... You know, when his mom passes away and then they have to go identify the body and 
he's just broken hearted and then Louis takes him in you're just like damn like this it, it's you know I feel like that's kind of a cliche type of movie setup you know the parents pass away he gets a mentor type of thing but it's done it's executed so well and Louis takes him in and they start doing these other show things because this kid just wants to be in show business and show business is just emerging at this point in the world and he's got the voice he's like got such a good voice like he could sing mm-hmm. yeah he can actually sing really well and you're like oh this kid's gonna go places like the whole time because you said this movie's like oh it's american pop it's about music it's about like all this stuff so i'm like oh i get it so the kid's gonna become a famous singer yeah well shit uh <laughs> yes dude so at the iso uh uh iso no uso, USO show is so they, they go to freaking i guess it's france mm-hmm. in world war one because it's like you have the soldiers there and they're performing it's that you have a uso girl who's like doing this dance and the performance and she's doing all these cool little like flips and stuff and of course the soldier's like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and stuff because they haven't seen a woman in forever and uh you have louis and uh zalmi as a horse in the background doing these fun little flips and stuff which actually you know it takes some oh, work yeah, you know that one, horse yeah. is doing flips that's two people in a horse suit doing that well and then and, that's rotoscoped so you can tell there was yeah. two people in a costume doing yeah, that that's, that's some effort <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, it's all me in the back of the horse. He's like, you know, I just didn't want to be a horse's ass this whole time. And you know, he's like, I want to. Yeah, <laughs> it was so good. And you know, Louis, I I love Louis because everything about it's like I don't know if it's good or bad, but that just that culture of just like these New Yorkers that are just like, come on, get out of here, kid. And they're like doing the whole like. It's like a kick to make them leave and stuff and mm-hmm. like in this old time. And I'm like, I can't tell. It's like, you know, you could tell he likes them, but he's also that's just how they do things at the same time. Because I guess yeah. it's New York. Yeah. I still don't understand that fucking state. I don't no, get it. Either. But like, <laughs> even now, I'm like, what is that place? But uh, yeah. And you're like, oh, OK, well, I can't wait to see what happens after. And then I regret saying that because, you know, you have German planes come and attack. And you see like a bunch of soldiers getting hit, and one of the planes when they they strafe down and start firing, one of the bullets hits Zalmi. And at first, I thought it was Louis because I'm like, you know, they're not going to do that to the kid, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, me too. It hits the kid, and it hits him somewhere where it damages his voice, and he can't sing anymore. I felt so bad, and especially because now he sounds so old. Like he went from sounding like an immigrant kid to actually some old new yorker yeah he got and i'm that, just like you know, i've been smoking for 20 years type of voice. yeah and it's like have you and it's like no he just was shot by a german fucking plane <laughs> and ah uh, dude it's it's so it's heartbreaking yeah i do i really i agree with you i thought it was louis at first and i was like man he just lost his like next father figure like it would happen but again it kind of keeps you on your toes because you're like oh it's him he's the one now getting punished and he goes on he's doing showbiz and he can't even make it he's a clown trying to make jokes nobody laughs and he ends up seeing this girl and falls in love with her kind of weirdest introduction to like a sex scene but it's sweet you know what i mean like they kind of just very sweet yeah Yeah. because he's also it seems like he's a very like he hasn't dealt with Mm -hmm. girls before and he's just and louis just like go get off his feet you know he's just like he even says like i've just seen the most beautiful thing in the world and he's like all right well 
go get her kid like go <laughs> you know and I, it's just they're you know they see each other and you could just tell like even through the animation they're just in love and it's something that's so hard to convey um, showing that kind of love and affection through that style it's almost impossible but Bakshi did it perfectly you know um, but they end up having a kid and all that and you're just like wow things are actually going pretty damn good for a while they got like a nice little doing hotel parties and you know she's you know it shows them after the pregnancy she's a singer she's a singer yeah, yeah. it's like he's like kid I'm gonna make you a star yeah and yeah. it's like <laughs> and I'm just like oh my god his voice <laughs> but dude it, it you see all this growth and it's interesting because you know it gets into a new era yes yeah Freaking, oh my god that prohibition the transitions um through history i think is just what pushes the story it's kind of like the antagonist almost or is like history fighting against this generation that's just trying to make make it in music Bruh, i just feel know? like america is the antagonist <laughs> <laughs> yeah honestly when you know I, I i really enjoyed the scene where like uh the kid's kind of grown up a little bit. He's like, you know, probably a preteen or something at this point. And you could tell he's a pianist. He's just kind of tapping on the table while his mom is and singing. this is Louis' kid. I mean, not Louis. This is Zalmi, Zalmi and uh, her kid. Yes. And, uh, his, and he's a prodigy. He is. It feels like. Right off the right off the bat, Benny. His name is Benny. Um, yeah. Prodigy, right off the bat. Just always surrounded about around musicians. Grew up with it. And dude, and then all of a sudden the doors open up and some mobsters just come in and just spray the place down. Um, and it's it just continues. And I think that's a cool transition scene because that like Benny Goodman music playing, you know, that showtime. Oh, and it just shows time. it's like a montage yeah. of just the war mm-hmm. that occurs there. Just dead bodies, uh, real photos, like actual stuff going on. It, it freaked me out for a second. So it, it really does a whole just like, I got you, didn't I? No, I didn't. Yeah, don't worry. But then I got you. Mm-hmm. It's this whole thing of when that first happens, I'm so scared because I'm like, oh, God, the kid or the mom. Yeah. It's going to be one of them when they first start shooting up the place. And I'm so worried. And, you know, it doesn't happen. And I'm just like relieved. And then they go, psych. Oh, <laughs> and then God. you're like, God, damn it. Really? And do they get you twice? Because, like, you know, first you have them because I guess Louis made deals with these one of the mobsters Mm -hmm. and that's where they've been performing the whole time. But now they're getting they're getting kind of like integrated with that mobster family. And I I would just have I have to assume like I'm just assuming like, you know, this is mobsters. This is New York. They're Italian. And uh, you're getting in that you're getting that ingrained there now. And at this point, too, they're, you see their families grown in terms of just, like, being together. Not in terms of, like, more kids or anything. But, you know, she is very happy. He's mm-hmm. Everyone's pretty happy. And they're talking about uh, Benny's future. And it's like, oh, that kid's going to be a great pianist. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. He's going to be a... He's got surgeon's hands. Like, his hands are beautiful. They're going to be a surgeon. He's going to be a surgeon. He's going to be a doctor. He's gonna be successful. He's gonna get away from this type of life, and just you know do good things. Mm-hmm. And then that package comes, and oh. I'm just so dead. She, the his wife goes to get the package, and it blows up, 
and the kid loses his mom and it's horrifying too because like that happens and the kid knows what happens and he just starts banging on the piano mm-hmm. uh, after you're like and it's just oh man it's just so sad and again that transition dude again his, yeah his mom just died and he's just angry and furious and like you said banging on the piano and then it transitions to him just playing and just tearing up the piano like that's just always been his thing he had he's connected to the music to the instrument and that's how he's pouring out his emotion all of his feels and everything um you fast forward i guess like maybe five ten years and then uh the dad's like i if you're not gonna live uh my life at least live my dreams um or the other way around I might well it's be a because the whole thing i think because the prohibition is like the 20s mm-hmm. and then you're being put into the 30s after that it's like the the late 30s mm-hmm. because or i'd say mid to late 30s because i'd say it starts off mid 30s because the kids you know playing with a band yeah and, and it's, it's like uh, swing, a like, black band yeah exactly yeah. yeah and he's like what are you doing here like why aren't you you could like no one's gonna pay attention to them mm-hmm. and it's like at that time too that makes sense like they're there's still, I mean, there obviously is so much like segregation and things like that. And he's like, you know, you could be, you can really be somebody, you can do something. And he's like, you know, I don't want to do all that though. I want to do what I want to do. Yeah. And the dad, yeah, pretty much Zalmi's like, I want you to, yeah, pretty much like at least be successful, do what I want you to do. And uh, he tells him to marry the mobster's daughter yeah. uh, that he's been working with this whole time. And that's when you get the Italian integration into the family and they get married. And I love that scene because they get married. And it's funny. There's like a fight at one point. You see at the fight at the wedding. You're like, what yeah. the hell is happening? <laughs> and then like they have that conversation because at first you start thinking, oh, they're going to shift it now. It's going to be the son's story. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Benny's story because he talks to the, the daughter, the Italian daughter. And he's like, what do you want? And she's like. Uh, I want you to smile. And it's this whole thing you could tell. He's so much just... Be- everything about Benny feels like a pure... He's just a pure, good-hearted guy. Mm-hmm. Completely pure, good-hearted. Like, you could tell even with his voice, it's completely different from his father's. Yes. It sounds so calm, collected, and just honestly innocent in a way. Mm-hmm. And you like could tell they kind of fall in love because it's like he at least like that they'll get along and stuff but he's very much just in the moment he's like he just moves as like with the waves practically yeah no you're totally right uh, i really like you're right he is always just kind of caught up in the moment um even just agreeing to marry this girl like he probably hasn't even met yet and he's just like all right i'll do it that's what you want me to do i'll do that um but then he kind of does like a shift and then enrolls in the military and yeah. this is, you know, uh, World War Two at this point, and they switch over, and it kind of like right away got the flashbacks to like what happened to his father in World War One, um, and I think that's also also why his father was like, "Why the hell are you doing this, man?" Like he wasn't know. he wasn't even in the war. Yeah, he was just, he was just performing, and he got hit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just being near it, like he was just affected by it. And oh man, dude, that scene dude it, it sucks too right before that like when he's saying goodbye like he's gonna go do what he's gonna do you feel it when he says like you know it just you feel like oh he's not gonna come back yeah. like because he says you have a wife and you have a kid on the way and you're just feeling you feel it you, you feel it especially because after what happens to his mom 
and you're like dude are they really gonna take both of them away mm-hmm. like is that actually gonna happen and yeah that dude that scene is this that is probably i want to say that is one of the two saddest scenes oh yeah uh, in the film he uh, uh, definitely he's on patrol and he opens a door he sees a piano walks and this in, is in europe they're in the yeah. european theater mm-hmm. yeah yeah he walks up to it and then he just, you know, lays down just a couple notes and he gets comfortable. He sits down and he's finally just enjoying something. And then you have the German soldier in the background pop up and you're just like, oh, fuck. And then he switches the song. I love that. I love how he switches the song to kind of appeal to him. And he knows he's there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, kind of just like just kind of jamming, just showing him like, hey, man, I'm just trying to show some love right now. And the German soldier is just like, thank you. And just shoots him up right on top of the piano. And you think for a moment there might be some, like, humanity. And just, like, yeah. you know, and, and it's only there for a brief second as he plays for the soldier. And he basically just played him a song so he can die to, you know. And that's another thing. He died playing piano. Dude, that is just a beautiful thing in itself. Like, he's in the middle of a war zone. He's playing his instrument. It sounds beautiful. And he gets shot down right there, and you're just like, "How the f- how the fuck?" <laughs> like I I couldn't even believe it too because you know the minute they show the inside and you see like there was a wrecked German tank there and you see it's like it's a clean background mm-hmm. like you're like oh it's safe but you know like I knew the moment he went inside there and I look in the back there I'm like he's gonna come out or it's a Nazi's gonna come out mm-hmm. and you know I believe he says like yeah well. And I believe, like, I could be completely wrong on what he said and completely wrong what it, what it means. And I think I'm, I think he's, like, again or something like, like, play it again. Oh, really? And I'm, I feel like it. But I, I could be completely wrong. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I thought, and, I thought the German soldier said thank you. That's what I thought. I don't know. Uh, maybe that was it. I honestly don't know. But, yeah, he either way, he shoots him. And it's just heartbreaking, too, because, like, I'm watching this also. And I'm like, yo, I have to watch some Russians kill this Jewish guy. I also have to watch these Germans that aren't Nazis yet shoot this Jewish guy. And then I have to watch the actual Nazi shoot this Jewish guy. And I'm like, I I fucking (laughs) hurt so much right now. I can't. It's it's ridiculous. And he's a soldier. It's just it it hits. It's it hits pretty hard, honestly. Mm -hmm. And especially for him, because it's like, dude, he died. Yeah, he died playing the piano. And it's just like. Come on, man. Yes. Like, why you got to do Why do you have to do that? And then it switches back to his family, which is, again, where, where this is all about is the bloodline. And this is kind of the point you realize, like, okay, this is all about just, like, how this family is surviving in America, essentially. Um, and you find out that uh, his dad is actually on trial. Z- yeah. Yeah, Zalmi's on trial. Mm-hmm. And he, he – now that – uh benny's dead he's just like fuck it i'm gonna rat out uh everyone the mobsters yeah screw it and it was yeah, a total just... like godfather is it two or three where he goes onto court and three three right yeah yeah it was honestly that entire part felt like godfather like that entire court scene and i mean dude even the animation while they're in court god that was just so captivating man yeah and you know like it there's such a good line in it too because uh what's his face uh louis louis is still alive yeah yeah 
and the mobster is like, I knew we should have killed him the minute his son died or something or something like that. I was like, what the hell, dude? Like, mm-hmm. uh, and Louis just like the kid always wanted to sing. Now he gets his chance. Yes. And Louis is just like completely fine with it. Like, he's just like, let it happen. And that's the last you get of Louis and Zalmi. Like, that's to their closer. And you see, like, in the other point, like, you see uh, Benny's wife and then you see his son. And, you know, the son takes on the Italian name. So, you know, you're also seeing the name shift. Mm-hmm. And it's Tony. Yeah, Tony. And it's just a little kid watching this happen. And he never got to... You, know, you get that shift now uh-huh. to him. And they flash forward. And I guess the mom remarried, if I remember correctly. Because, mm-hmm. like, the whole thing was, like, the mobster dad's like, I own everybody. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And uh she remarried had three more kids so he has like three half siblings but you could tell he is in a completely i don't know how to he the kid's hurting like you could tell he's hurting because he doesn't yeah he does his dad he never got to meet his dad but he sees like oh your dad was this hero he was a guy that could play music with no issue like he was great at playing music he uh, was an amazing guy and then he died and then also your grandfather was a mobster uh, that tried to kill your other grandfather <laughs> and, and, and yeah and you have a stepdad I guess probably that you know you don't have the same connection with because he is three of his own kids that you're not you know may not be that connected to either mm-hmm. and also you know he's a teenager practically like he, I, I think he's an older teenager like he's probably like 16 to 18 at that point i guess i'm not too sure i think because you know um it's the start of drugs i believe it's just yeah, starting rolling into like the 60s at this point like early 60s uh maybe the early, 50s, early you know yeah because uh, i think you know he's with his friend at that weird club and it's like that poetry dude it's like Yo, cats, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, blah. And Allen Ginsberg kind of beat poetry that's going on. And it's, you know, it's funny. He kind of like everything you like kind of see when they make fun of beat poetry, the way he like takes the hit and then he talks like kind of slow. And then the way he says the word jazz and the way he kind of just fluctuates every single word. Like when you see people like do beat, beat poetry or kind of poke fun out of it, it's like that same, like they hit all those little elements that people make fun of. Yeah. And you even have the girl that's all tripped out in the background, just like, uh, T'Challa, what the hell are you doing there? <laughs> I didn't even realize that. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. For a second, I'm like, yeah, the cat was there the whole time, right? <laughs> Sorry, it's like, cat's just like, hey, man. He just I'm walked up and he's too. just like, I'm going to push this aside. I'm going to push this aside. What is this? Um, but the bee poetry thing is just like, he's captivated. He's, Tony's watching it. And his friend is freaking out. He's like, we're going to get busted, man. We can't be doing this. Like, what are you doing here? Like, we got to get out. They're, we're we're going to get in trouble. And he's like, leave, man. Then leave. Like, Go on then. Leave. Yeah. I don't want you here. Yeah. yeah. And his, his, like, his accent is, it's like a weird, it's a combo. It's like you feel the combo of New York, mm-hmm. but a combo of that culture of that, that poetry style. Because you could feel the way he's talking. Like, it's like he, he doesn't talk like, when you listen to his siblings, they're like, come on, Tony, we're just trying to watch the TV. We're going to tell mom. They have real American like, voices. 
Yeah, just, and then he's just no like, accent. yo, I'm going to do what I want. You're going to listen to the TV all day? Mm-hmm. You're slaves to the TV. And you can tell like that he's very much in that re- very, very rebellious. Like his, It seems like his mom probably doesn't know what to do with him at this point. Yeah. Uh, if she's telling the kids like not to listen to him, he's probably like a, a problem at the house in terms of just like he... In a, you know, he doesn't conform. Yeah. He doesn't uh, just live with the family. He wants to fight every step of the way. You could just tell, even with that seeing what happened to his mom. And I, I feel a little sad a little bit because I'm like, you don't you don't get to see that relationship either. You're like, what? because ha- I, I feel like, you know, all these mothers, because, you know, these are all the, the generations is covering like all the sons and mm-hmm. each mom is either, let's see, dies, dies, uh, and then you know, <laughs> remarries and you don't see her again. So like... You know, it, they don't, they're not really getting the good end of the stick either. Yeah, and his mom is, it's so unique because even when he's walking away and he's like, uh, she's just in there listening to that album. And then they're like, that's a secret. You shouldn't be knowing about that. And he's like, well, you know, it wasn't your father. And you could just tell she's just hung up on uh, on Benny still. And she's just playing Benny's album over and over and over. And I think that's a big thing with him too, is that he doesn't know his dad. He never got to. He feels abandoned probably by him. And his mom is still just completely in love with him. Um, and he can't escape it. He'll never know who he is. He has like a picture of him and his medals. And he's just like, how am I supposed to live up to this guy I never knew? Like this musician, yeah. this guy that like was apparently amazing. And I'll never get to know that because I never had it. And he is like the one person who doesn't have any sort of musical influence surrounding him. Everyone what else was his did. the the description of his hands? Oh, there was like a um, forget what it was. Basically, there was something about his hands where they were like uh, the suds sort of destroyed my hands or something from washing dishes or something. Like he, oh, uh, his... my, um, they're perfectly puckered. Um, that's that's what it was. Just yeah, because they're wet all the time, so they're like puckered. They're kind of like squishy and everything. Yeah, so he can't. He he can't do anything with music, but I, I you know when he leaves, he says I'm I'm gone, and he takes some of his stuff, barely really not anything, but he takes the harmonica, mm-hmm. his father's harmonica that he was playing because you know his dad the whole time has been playing the piano, mm-hmm. uh, but Benny when he was at like he was overseas, he got a harmonica, so he was playing the whole time. Yeah, and I, I just remember also flashing back to the when they were at the war. The dude's like, "Why are you playing that?" And he's like, "Cause I left my piano at home." Yeah, yeah. Uh, who said you, who said you could uh you could play that? And he was just like, "No one. You can't find a piano in a trench." And I was like, Ooh. "Yeah, that's so good." And yeah, it's that's the thing too. I think that's where the beat poetry scene. I think that's why that's so vital because he doesn't play an instrument, but words are captivating him. Lyrics are captivating him. So he become, becomes a lyricist. And that's, you know, that starts to segue a little bit later and develop him as a musician in that sense. But, uh, man, and so he, he takes off. He just runs away. He knows that there's nothing for him there. He knows that there's, you know, his family he doesn't like, his the city he's not interested in. He wants to go find himself. So he's going to travel across America. He's going west to discover himself, basically. Yeah. And, and he stops in Kansas stops oh he steals a car <laughs> starts picking up a bunch of oh house. i forgot he steals his mom's car yeah, yeah. And, and gets all these hitchhikers and i think that's one of the funniest scenes because there's like eight people nine people in that dude vehicle. how did he fit that many people in that car and, and he's just like stops right there and he's like that's it he could have gotten gas. he could have done something but he just said nah it's okay 
he did not care and they're like wait what about the car and he's like y'all could keep it and they're like oh thank you so much and he's like it's stolen they all book it out of the car except one woman that jumps on the car it's like car for sale yeah that that was real perfect for sale (laughs) just claims it um so good and it's cool because it's dude the romance scenes in this movie are just so sweet and they're just so they're perfect you know it's just i think this is probably the best and most tragic one oh yeah personal oh for sure so this is like the everything that happened with zombie is incredibly sad i don't know if it's because like you know the movie progressed and you get more towards like benny and uh tony but with them like i don't know i think it's because like with zombie he got to fully live his life yes like he he got to have love and they they you know they it wasn't that long but he still had to he got to have his son and he for as long as he did and he had his wife for at least some time benny didn't get to really live Mm -hmm. and then tony never really got to have that family but also now you get to kansas and he gets hit just like zalmi does yes yeah yeah that's he walks to that diner and he sees that girl that's just a waitress and you could tell it's probably like her family owns it or something because she's just like same age as him, but she sees him there. And she, I love the scene where she wipes the window to <laughs> yeah. see him. And then like smiles comes out and is like, hey, do you want a job? And he's like, no, I want you. <laughs> he's just so upfront. Yes, exactly. And she's like, well, do you want to wash dishes? <laughs> that scene is so... I feel like it's funny because you get these kind of, I don't want to say three sides, but more so two sides of Tony. You get Mm -hmm. the journeying side and you get the settled side. Yeah. And the journeying side is him. You even see the change in the outfits, but like, you know, he's got the hat. He's got the jacket. He looks kind of like a greaser a little bit. Mm -hmm. He looks just so... He's got some drip, you know? He, yeah. he looks good. He looks good. And you're like, dude, that kid looks cool. He looks like he's, you know, the world's his oyster. He can go do whatever he wants. But, you know, you feel it. And you feel him the way you feel the Beatles. Because the Beatles start off the same way. They have nice, mm. very mm. clean cut. They look great. Yeah. And everything, like, everything just feels good about it. And then, uh, you know, he meets this girl and... I love the dishwashing scene because he's washing the dishes yes. and every time she passes by, he's smiling, like trying to get her to notice him. He wants to say something and, it, and she's just way too busy just flying by him working and he's just uh, the, the, like just trying to get his finger out to get a point and then just zips by him the whole time. And, you know, they talk after and she's like, he's like, uh, you know, I'm going to go. He starts asking like, so this is Kansas. Where are we? Kansas? She's like, yeah, this is Kansas. And he's like, what is all this? It's like corn. It's like corn. Girl, you're corn. Your your hair is like corn. It's gold and every everything I'm gonna think of of corn, popcorn, cream corn, any corn. I'm gonna think of you. Like I love corn now. Like it's just I love corn. And it's sad because that tragically comes back later at the end of his story, yes. which we'll get to. But like, dude, he is like, you know, come with me. And she's like, I can't. And she's like, how long can you stay? And he's like. Now I leave tomorrow. And, you know, he says he leaves tomorrow, but 
he does he he's just like i want to leave yeah. tomorrow he doesn't have to leave tomorrow there's mm-hmm. nothing stop you know there's no rush either yeah he's just like i'm just gonna leave tomorrow he could have said he could have stayed there yeah and dude oh, fuck dude it's the it's like that one it's like dude that one time when you're like yo the country or the city and i'm like dude should have picked the country <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but right. um it, it's uh yeah it, he they they spend a night together mm-hmm. and you know what you know what happens like you don't they don't show anything it's one of those uh you just have to imagine it and stuff and you already know like you know they they have fun and it it shows the next day he's on that train and you also this kind of cements like the kid doesn't have musical talent like he's on there and you could also tell the difference on the train too yeah you have all the white people together and then at the very bottom uh in like the car that's like not at the top or anything you just have these black guys playing mm-hmm. uh instruments and he stays with them yeah. and uh one's playing guitar one's playing harmonica so tony brings out his harmonica and starts trying to play with them and they just kind of look at him and he just smiles and it's like yeah. i'm trying <laughs> and you can tell he the, the the guy starts playing his harmonica and tony's like oh i can't do it mm-hmm. like he's not good uh like they are or anything and he's like i'm not i can't do i can't play music and it's sad getting that realization, but you see him then in San Francisco. And man, I'm so, I'm, I'm going to be honest, dude. I'm so glad I did not live. In, <laughs> I was not alive to be in San Francisco during that time. I was just so like, fuck that dude. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, I, I could, I could, surp- I, I, I'll pass on the summer of love. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, like, it... Yeah, like actually, no thanks. But this is like, becomes like, so much more tragic at this point like if you feel like tony's journey has been tragic it's like that was just the start you know that was just it shows how hard life gets and how much more confused and kind of just thrown into the mix he becomes with the society here um he you know he's walking down the street uh playing his harmonica which he's not really good at but he's jamming out on it and these people hear him and they're like hey man what else do you know he's like that's it that's all i got like and they're like well come hang out with us and they invite them in, and they're it's it's a group of six musicians, and they all seem like really cool people, and they're just like inviting. Hey man, take a smoke. Yeah, yeah. You want a doobie, bro? I, I think that's so funny. Uh, when he was just like, um, uh, you like dope, man? He's like, yeah. When I when can uh, whenever I can afford it. He's like, when can you afford it? He's like, never. <laughs> yeah, so it's like his first hit too, yeah. and it's just like, you you know, it's funny. And then when you see the rest, you're like, oh fuck. <laughs> So yeah, I wish you didn't do that. And you know, he's he's kind of finally involved with musicians for the first time. And this is the interesting part is that he feels like, you know, he's like, I have a bunch of lyrics though. I don't I don't play, but I I could write. Um, he's like, it's all in my crib. Um, you know, I I can go get them. And they're like, all right, cool. Like you know, here's some bus money. Go 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 back and get it and come back. And then you just see him on the bus writing everything. He didn't have anything. He had nothing. He to wrote on a newspaper. Mm-hmm. But there's his talent. Like, he can't play, but the kid can write. Yes. And he could write real well. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it just spirals from there. So he ends up writing all the music for them. They end up, you know, big hits and everything. And, you know, they're doing um, All I Need Is Love, uh, which is, I had this written down. Um, Why am I, why did I forget who wrote that song? Um... Oh my god! It is a Beatles song. I thought it was a cover. I thought it was like a Janis Joplin song for some reason. But oh. um, it's kind of funny that they have that as if he wrote it and performed. They it. do a lot of yeah. that with a bunch of songs, yeah. And I, I think that's such a cool aspect of just like 
kind of warping reality at that point you know it's not like they're not even a cover band it's as if they were they were the ones that did it um and they end up you know hitting the stages and this is the time of like the hippie generation and they're on stage and he's kind of watching them all perform he falls in love with the girl frankie the the front woman of the band and yeah someone hands him like man this this cup this drink something's wrong with it man it's it's crazy and then he's like takes a sip and he has an acid trip <laughs> and it's such a bad and trip it's you see also his style change completely mm-hmm. like his hair is growing he has grown his hair out uh which I mean, i'm not trying to say like it's like because i grew my hair now over quarantine but it's, know, like, yeah. it's different <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's different, different. Yeah. this is drug-free hair yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but like you know it's that time and then like i said it feel it's um this whole journey is a beatles journey because mm-hmm. you see you know they start out very dapper they're everything is nice clean cut everything looks good and then over time they get more I guess, quote unquote, unique looking because each one now looks very different than the other. But their hair is long. They're doing drugs. It's all this other stuff. And it's just like, I don't know. It's like, I hate this. I hate seeing this. I don't want to like be mean or anything. But it's like I see all this stuff. and I'm like, dude, I need to go wash my hands. Oh, like, yeah. that's what I feel like. Yeah. Like, I, I'm just like, I need to go I, it's, it's scrub shit off. I can't. I can't. Like, it, it feels so dirty. Mm-hmm. And that's how you, you feel like watching this, too, because you see him spiral. And he's getting addicted to drugs to the point where they're like, hey, man, are you still right? Like, how's that song coming? And he's like, I'm, I'm trying, man, I'm trying. And he sounds so sad yeah. when he talks. Like, and at a certain point, I think, was it Frankie, right? Yeah. Yeah, she marries one of the bandmates and stuff for two for two weeks. Well, I mean, before all that though, like what kind of triggers all that is when he falls off the stage um, on after that acid trip. Oh he, yeah, he breaks yeah. a bunch of bones. Like he's in like a body cast practically, and they they started getting money and getting success. The band was, and they buy him a, a electric typewriter so he could write wherever he wants, and it's just like battery operated, and and then he's just like cool, like that's nice. And then they're like, what did you expect? I think he was insinuating like he wanted drugs. You know, I think that was the insinuation at that point because he wasn't happy with that typewriter. And that's yeah, when and he's the band- addicted. Yeah, exactly. He's addicted at that point. And that's when the band ditches him. They leave him and he's in the apartment. And that's where the, the like change that next big shift in him because he's broken and he's calling his drug dealer just like, hey, man, on the phone, you got any like, dope? Please. And anything, please. And the yeah, guy even so says sad. like, you, you don't hear the other guy's voice, but he's just like, no, man, it's just, it's rough. It's really hard right now. Like, do you, do you got any smack? Like anything? And then he picks up the newspaper, and that's where he sees that the, I guess the guitarist or something, and uh, Frankie are getting married, and he just spirals. Like he's he's he has a cane now. He can't walk right. Like the apartment that they were in when they first met and it's all colorful and cool and filled out. It's now dark and like these blues and these really dark colors are going on in there. And even his outfit looks really dim and the red shirt looks like maroon. It's just really sad. And if you notice on the animation there too, he's kind of more like elongated. Everything looks kind of warped and kind of angled in a way. And it shows like his mind state at that point. Um, he's just broken. He's just, he's addicted and everything. And then he shows up at their studio and they're like, where have you been? <laughs> like, what, why, why are you even here, man? You've caused enough damage. And that's when he's, he reunites with them again. Um, but he's still having trouble writing and it's the whole, and he's drug still doing drugs and he's still doing drugs. 
and, and oh, go get Frankie too. Mm-hmm. Like just like I'm nothing without you. Or so, like she, you know, she's very. It, it's it's funny because she's the one that wants to be the most at first like professional, but you could also tell she's like off the wagon. Yeah, like you see when they're performing, she's drinking. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you need to lay off. And she's like, ah, what happened? And then she's like, you know, Tony, I'm nothing without you. I need you. Like, you need your music. And then, you know, see them fall in love and mm-hmm. get married and stuff. And it's a disaster. And yeah, it's it's like watching two high negative batteries get together. Yes, dude. It's, <laughs> it's tragic because they're doing like straight up like co- uh, cocaine and heroin. heroin and everything yeah you see the needles and everything mm-hmm. and that's the scary part that's where like you know uh, although i think this is the same point where we see that really cool Jimi hendrix scene i thought that was one of the oh, coolest like moments he goes on before them in kansas yeah th- th- this is where it gets this so this is where it gets really sad because tony is so also out of it from the drugs like when you see them waiting to go on before hendrix uh-huh. uh and this is when hendrix is i guess about to be really big and stuff because they're like who, who is this whatever yeah. like um but uh you have them waiting and you see her like on the couch and he's just slumped down and you're just like dude Dude, come on, man. And, and Frankie's all out of it, and they're like, "We're on next." And she's like, "I want." Yeah, and she's like, it. "I'm fine. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna get it done." And there's a kid. There, this is where it just hits so hard because this kid is there, and it's like, "Who's the kid? Why is he back here?" It's like, "Oh, come on, he's cool. We like the kid." And it's just this young blonde kid who just looks so happy. He's like, "Wow, real band and stuff," and he's so it's groundbreaking to him because he's in Kansas, mm-hmm. and it's like this is something completely new and different. And they're like, where are we? And Tony's like, wait, where are we? They're like, oh, we're in Kansas. And then Tony hears it and he's like, wait, we're in Kansas. And like, yeah, how many times do we have to say it? And he's like, flashes back also because he sees the kid. And the kid is the same colored hair as that girl he had that like one night stand mm-hmm. with. And he's like, uh, they're because they're like, what's your name, kid? He's like, little Pete. And it's like, Where's Big Pete? And he's like, I don't know. My mom never talks. My mom, he's kind of a mysterious person. My mom never really says anything about him. And you're like, Tony's Big Pete. Yeah. And holy it, shit. It's like, he, I think he realizes at that point. He realizes it. Like he's, that's his kid. Yeah. But also he thinks about her and like all of that, just like from then to now where it's Tony on the world's his oyster He's free to do whatever he wants, but also he sees the most beautiful girl he's ever met in his entire life. And everything about her felt perfect because that night felt perfect. Mm-hmm. And he, you could tell how much regret is there because he realizes that could have been my kid. Like I, we, I could have had a family. I could have settled down and been happy. Like stop trying to reach too close to the sun and get burned even though the burning is not the sun, it's drugs. Yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah. it's, <laughs> it, there's all this happening and you feel so, it, that that is honestly what I consider the saddest. That's the, what I felt like was the saddest scene. I think it's because at least with, like with Benny, everything just kind of ended where it's like, Tony has to live with it. Tony has to watch it. Tony has to suffer through it the whole time. Oh dude, that's not even, that's like one of my runner up saddest scenes. We'll get to my saddest scene. Um, oh for sure i know i think i know what you're gonna but yeah yeah, yeah. but and right after oh go on uh, no no you can, you can go and say yeah um, switch back to you for it uh, so yeah it's it's seeing his kid in the revelation where he's just like kansas kansas freaking out and then they do the show but then at the end of it 
they you see Frankie getting wheeled out. Oh, because he wanders off, doesn't he? And he checks some stuff out, and he comes back. Yeah. And then they're wheeling out Frankie, and her arm is all like kind of, I don't know what heroin people the tubing on their arm. It's, it's so got the it's got the band on yeah. it. Yeah. So and, you just get the veins, I think. Yeah. Showing more or something. Exactly, and it it has like a sheet over her face, and then you're just like, fuck, dude, like. He's here in Kansas where he once was, where he was happy and met this amazing girl. And then he comes back and not only does he realize he has a kid, but his wife that he, you know, basically in love with and kind of went down this rabbit hole with, she just dies on him um, because of a drug overdose. And you're just like, that's freaking brutal. And after that, he kind of just takes in the kid. Uh, Yeah, because the kid wants to travel. The kid's like, what is he? It's like, uh... I'll go back to Kansas. It's flat. It's like yeah. this, you know. This ain't no. This ain't no mountain either. Or something I forget something what he like says. That, yeah. But like, yeah, it's too flat there. Like, there's nothing going on for me there. Even though he's just a little kid, mm-hmm. and it's just just trying to escape already. It's like in that lineage, they're just trying to escape. That's this whole thing. It's just running away. You know. Yeah. Um, and their whole little story and how he's trying to be a dad, but he doesn't know how to be a dad. He doesn't know how to like not be selfish he doesn't know how to just like keep his cool or help this kid at all and he eventually starts you know the kid starts changing and warping and you know he has the sunglasses and the outfit yeah and but even before that the cornflake scene oh the cornflake scene <laughs> that had so much like it it took me one second to realize it because it's like i thought you like cornflakes and he's like i hate cornflakes kid i hate him and it's it so sad because it hurts. It reminds him of the kid's mom, of um, uh, Pete's mom. Yeah. Uh, I had to remember his name for a second because I'm just, dude, part of me, honestly, when I was, when we were watching, when he walks out of the, in the cornfield, when he comes back after when they're performing, I was honestly just like, dude, go back to the diner. Just, yeah. just look, just see. I, I was hoping and, we'd see uh, her again, honestly, but we don't. It's kind of weird. Yeah, and I was I was honest. Part of me was just like, dude, if he goes back and gets life back together, you never know. And it's like, I think it's because of this whole time you're watching this movie unfold and it keeps doing the opposite of what you're hoping will happen mm-hmm. each time for each character. And the worst part is it's like a combo of just fate of what happens no matter what, like someone's going to be there. But also, you know, the characters each make their own choices. And, you know, some are worse than others. Like, I feel like... um for uh zolmi it wasn't really his choice for a lot of the stuff yeah. like everything kept happening to him mm-hmm. whereas uh benny you know he chose to go yeah. but also it's like come on man like that it was also not too bad tony unfortunately it was all of like his choices yeah. and that was where you're seeing like him completely with that but yeah they're i think la right yeah they're in la mm-hmm. at that point yeah and they lose the whatever hovel they were living in and they're just like on a bench and they're living and it's sad too because you just see like his head's on uh tony's head is on um pete's lap when he's asleep and the dude walks over and benny uh uh, pete just like pops out a switchblade of just like don't get near me man (laughs) oh no he he moves back to new york actually they're not oh he does yeah yeah they're not in la they move back to new york yeah Okay, I th- okay. Interesting. I, I I had the same idea for a minute, but no, no, no. They moved back to New York. Okay, okay. You'd you think he'd go back to his mom, even though I guess he's really old now. But I guess he yeah. was just like, eh, nah, I'm okay. Yeah. Um, but dude, 
the scene where it's like, you know what I mean, or like, you know what I'm trying to say when they're both saying that because they know, I, you know, I know you're my dad and I know you're my son. Mm-hmm. That's so. That that whole uh, well, what was it? I forgot what the line was, but he was just like, "Well, why do you think?" And then you know, he, uh, that's he, yeah. what it was. Yeah, it's like, yeah. He uh, to- Tony insinuates that, and then you know, he gives him the the harmonica, and then you know, he's like, "That was my dad's, and he gave it to me, and I want to give it to you." And he's like, "Why would you give it to me?" Well, why do you think? And then you're just like, "Ah, oh, this is like him saying indirectly saying like, kid, I'm your dad." I've known this, like you've known this, like we know this truth. We haven't said it. We can't say it to each other, but we can't, we can't even face this thing in front of us, this giant elephant in the room. We just won't, we just keep circling around, you know? Yeah. And you see too, like, he's like, you know, I'm going to pawn off the guitar and he takes the guitar and you're like waiting, you know, when he's, he leaves, you know, he's not coming back. And then that dude comes and it's like, Hey, you, you little Pete. This was the scene. And this was the heartbreaking scene for me. The, I'll go for it then you can uh man just that guy coming up and you know Tony ran off pawned the guitar he said he'll unpawn it and then the guy you know he, Pete's just waiting and time goes by and he's just waiting and waiting and then this guy comes up and he's like oh, yeah are you Pete um and the kid's like yeah and he's like this is a note from your dad um here's this and and the kid's like well, did he say anything else and he's like yeah he said goodbye and the guy walks away. And he did the hand movement, which is yeah. something Tony always did. He was always like very uh with the hands. Like when he when he quit his dishwashing job when he was in San Francisco, he's like, see like goodbye, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. And stuff. And he was so yeah. Cause he got that from those poetry guys. Yeah, ex- exactly. It ties back to that. And I love how they continue doing that. That's such a good characterization of him, you know, just keeping those gestures going to the very last moment that he's in that film. And from there you just see Pete sitting on the bench and then you literally see time go by and then he's an adult and he's just like this like pimped out dude who's just like grooving and just has like the right gestures like the hand movements he's super fly he has the dope jacket the sunglasses and, and he, when he does the like the sunglasses he like t- tilts them a bit and he, you see his eyes and he's just like you could it, it's like a combo of just cool but just complete anger yeah it felt like yeah I could see that. I could totally understand that. Well, that moment where he, you know, he brings him down with his middle finger, he's looking into a synagogue. And what a way to circle back to his Jewish heritage. It does. And you see that. And then you see. He's jamming to the rabbi. Yes. The rabbi's uh, prayer. He he gets the groove and then he's just like, all right. And then you see him just grooving down to that as he walks away. And you're just like, oh, that hit him. Like that had a connection with him. And he probably doesn't even know it. He probably doesn't even realize why that resonated with him, you know? Um, and then he's just, he's the lyricist and he, he doesn't play music either, right? I don't believe so. Oh, you know, he does, he plays guitar. No, he right? plays yeah, guitar. He plays guitar. He's yeah. really good at guitar. Yeah. He, he got that. It was only Tony who could. It's like each one has their own. Uh, one can sing, one can play piano, one can write, and one can do guitar. And now Pete can do everything practically. He writes the lyrics, he writes the songs. He, yeah, he sings. Yeah. He plays guitar. He is the culmination of his family. He is generation. It's literally in his blood at this point. 
to be a musician and to go out there and that's all he wants and he's also has the drug aspect from his father tony because he's been slanging drugs this whole entire time to these different bands it doesn't look like he's using either he's just like he's the Mm. one that's supply yeah exactly so he's very much like level-headed it seems like he knows what he's doing yeah and compared to like like those dudes he's like oh you don't want the if you want the cocaine you you listen to my music yeah and they're like, announced. no. <laughs> and he's cool. like, okay, no cocaine. And you could tell it's like, okay, there you see who has power and who doesn't because mm-hmm. he's not the one using. Yeah. Just like Tony had no power. It's it's um, it's so good. Yes, that 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 connection. He's, he knew where things were wrong. And he knew what each one can do, like what the power of drugs can have over someone and the power of music as well. And for him to just kind of dual wield both of those things to get his way and then he just goes on like slang and everything and it starts showing that late 70s punk scene um the razor blades and everything i love the like painted backgrounds they have like when jimmy's playing you have the amps and then here you have the razor blade it totally just captivates that moment and that era in it um yeah and you know it made the movie basically ends with him playing with his band and that's actually fear the band that's a real band um, oh, really? that's playing at the end of it yeah uh, yeah because i know they were using a lot of the real uh like at the end of the credits it's like hey uh we use a lot of the stuff for fictional depictions of being created by these fictional mm-hmm. characters but really this is where they all actually come from yes and, and yeah it is dude it just wraps it really just wraps up with him performing and it hits credits and you're just like damn that is that is a journey like it took that long that many years what you're in the late 70s 80s like and you assume you started at the early 1900s 70 80 years has this been building up to this moment of this guy performing on stage in front of people successfully like clean and like doing what he loves but look at all the pain that it took to get here you know it's yeah man it you for an animated movie, I don't know what else I've ever seen in my life that hits me the way this one does. Like, um, like you know, there's a couple of cool facts about it. One, Ralph Bakshi um, felt that he should have uh, done more animation in this one and less rotoscoping and you know other uh, mixed mediums. But I don't know how much better that would have been. This was just perfect to me. Um, also, I heard that when they launched this film at San Diego Comic Con. Um, like one of the earliest conventions. Wait, uh, they did? Yeah, it was a premiere. And th- that's when, you know, conventions were nothing. It was like with 20 people, you know. It wasn't the, what we know today. Um, Pre-Twilight Comic-Con, basically, you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> um, but apparently, <laughs> I-, I can't find any other evidence in this Reddit post, but somebody said that the film was twice as long as what we see now. So I'm wondering what was cut, what like why it was cut, why we can't find like this extended edition of American Pop because I'd be uh, super hyped to see it or maybe I'm so I know that I did not know that yeah. that's highly intriguing and part of me all right so part of me wants that because I want to see more of their stories yeah part of me also does not want that because I don't want to get more depressed watching <laughs> this movie <laughs> it is it's one of those movies it. It's so sad. You know, I, it's funny. I, you know, before the show, we were talking and I was I was going to watch the movie last night in preparation to the show. And um, Gato and I, my girlfriend, we were in such a good mood. We were like, you want to put on American Pop? And we were about to do it. And I was like, 
she was like, you know what? I really don't want to be that sad right now. <laughs> Can we watch something else? Like, it's dude. That was the last thing I did last night, and I went to bed after, <laughs> and I just lied awake, and I'm like, dude, what's life right yes. now? <laughs> I was yes. so. It honestly, I was like, I I did not want to think this late at night, and I did not want to think about life this late at night because it did. It really does make you start thinking because it's it. It's like that whole because you watch like a bunch of guys throughout different generations have their lives but you can tell some of them regret it and you see some of them waste their lives and stuff and it's like you get that feeling when you start second get you start second not necessarily second guessing but you start um analyzing everything of like is this everything i want to be doing and all this stuff yeah. and it's like it starts hitting you and that i like you know i i feel like this is the only time of any of our episodes that that's going to happen where it was like oh my god like this movie did this to me yeah and dude all at the at one point too, I was just thinking, "Fuck yeah, dude, just stay in Kansas, <laughs> <laughs> right?" Yes, it's you know, it, especially for me because I grew up and I always wanted to be a musician. I always wanted to be on stage playing. I always wanted to just devote myself to my instrument and just focus on that and everything that goes with it. The struggles, like I know how hard it is to be on tour. I know how hard it is to be in a band to make it work and everything and just to have that discipline to keep performing and push back against all that. And I've seen like through my uncle and everything, my family, what like drugs and alcohol can do to you as a musician. And I was kind of like that Pete at the end, at the end of it where I was just like, I ain't going to touch that type of stuff. Like I, 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 I'm, I've seen behind the music way too many times to <laughs> like ignore of what has happened to these musicians. And it is just, it resonates like so hard. You're like, is is it almost even worth it at that point? Which is sad that you have to even question that, but you see what that environment can do to you at, at a certain point if you're around the wrong kind of people, you know? Yeah, definitely. Man, like I said, I'm glad uh, I came to San Francisco. I, uh, you know, I was born in San Francisco way later <laughs> yes. than that. <laughs> I just got to say. <laughs> um, oh, God. I, I don't remember if there's anything else I really had to say. Oh, um... Also, they didn't. He hated the uh, Ralph Bakshi hated that Bob Seger song that they used at the end. He absolutely hated it. That wasn't the song they really? wanted to choose. The song that they wanted to choose, they wanted too much money for it, and he couldn't. They couldn't pull that off financially with their budget. And he was. What was the song? I don't even remember what the song. I was watching a cartoonist kayfabe interview with him, and he was talking about it. Um, I don't even. No, he doesn't even name the song. That's what it is. Uh, in fact, let me see. Uh, there was. A variety interview with him um i'm so sorry i should have had this pulled up already but i'm pulling it up right here i have it right here um <laughs> buh, 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 buh. Uh, da, 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 da. nope i don't have the i don't uh, but he he ended up um figuring out what song it was but uh it, it was just a totally different song he hated he hated the one that they that they chose for the last one and he was completely mm. upset with it. Um oh oh he wanted Freebird. <laughs> uh my bad. Oh, oh, yeah, but God. still. He um he this is like part of the interview. Uh it says speaking of which I have a question about American pop. Was Bob Seeger's night moves intended as uh anticlimactic concert? And then <laughs> he says, uh night moves sucks. 
I was furious. I w- um, it was all wrong. I had a brilliant song in mind, but they wanted too much money. I forget what it was. I've blocked it all out. If I can remember, I'll give you a call. And then he left the interview, and an hour and a half later, he's calling from a busy payphone saying, it was Freebird. That was the song I had in mind for the end of the film. Um, Wasn't that in the credits? Was it? It could have been. could be wrong. I, f- I could have sworn I just heard Freebird. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like on my own listen to Freebird. So that's like how I feel like I know. Cause I'm like, there's no other way I listen to Freebird. <laughs> and it's uh, interesting enough, uh, speaking of the soundtracks, um, I don't know if we'll get to do this, but I'm on the Lord of the Rings kick right now. But the soundtrack for Lord of the Rings, um, he wanted Led Zeppelin to do the soundtrack for it. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. It was, that, that would have been epic. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? That's so, that's, dude, that just that broke my brain. That broke my brain. Like, I'm just, I can't, I'm trying to think how that would work because then I'm flashing back to, like, live action Lord of the Rings and that music, and I'm like, <laughs> like, what? Yeah, it's just, that, that's like, not even night and day. That's like, yo, that's Mars and Pluto, man. Yes. That's not even. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I'm glad you watched it. I'm glad we got to do an episode on it. And I'm glad I got to show this film. And I hope more people do discover this film. Um, it is one of the most, I think, underrated animated uh, films ever made. Um, I think it's brilliant in every way possible. Um, I, at, at Apollo City Comics, we just interviewed some uh, a creator. And, you know, he's a musician as well. And he's very much like me. Like when I write stories, I write a lot about musicians. I write about people that are musicians, you know, being in band, stuff like that. And that's just what I gravitate towards. Um, and he felt the same way. And it's, it, this is like the kind of story I would love to tell, you know, this generational type of thing that explores how music influences your life, how it touches people, the effect it has on people, um, where it comes from down your line. Like, you know, knowing that my family were musicians and it's kind of radiated and then me and stuff like that it's just it's very touching it's it doesn't even matter if you're a musician or not it's hard not to just cry during this movie and for being 1981 insane you know what i mean like just this aspect you have like disney movies coming out at this point um a handful of things from like paramount and whatnot um uh miyazaki um he was just kind of getting into the game at this point. Yeah, he's yeah. just getting started. And yeah, these are all having simultaneously. Yeah, exactly. And it's such a contrast compared to. It also feels else. older. Yeah, I think because of all the different things happening, it feels so much older than these other ones. Mm-hmm. And this was before Fire and Ice. This was after Lord of the Rings. And Ralph, you know, he doesn't have background with music or anything. He was just looking for stories to tell. He just wanted to find the art in things. And holy fuck, did he do it with this one, man? I I can't even. I I wish I could tell a story this amazing someday. Like, I it just blows my mind. It it really does, and yeah, everything that he mixed into it, from live action to just like photos and actual real clips of life to the rotoscoping and everything Painted else, background, to, and... and the the stories told and the tragedies and just like dude yes. <laughs> it's not easy for dudes bro <laughs> it's just i'm I'm like oh my god I, I can't even with this like it's like a movie that if i i don't think i could ever buy it because i just feel like dude i don't think i can own something so tragic like i can't 
I can't do that right now. I can't do that to myself. Or I have to, if I look up, I'm going to look at that and it's all going to come flooding back into my head. Like part of me, I'm glad I did it, but I'm not going to lie. A, a little part of me wants to forget it a little <laughs> bit because I'm just so sad. It's, yeah, it doesn't get any easier the more you watch it. I've seen this movie probably like three or four times at this point, um, spread out over the years, but it is, it's so touching. It's, it's like you, you need, you know, the first time you go into it, you don't realize what you're walking into. But the times after that, you know what you're walking into. So you're a bit more prepared and you kind of have to be in that mindset to like really be like, oh, my God, I'm about to endure this again. But it's a cartoon, too. You know, you don't see this type of drama in any animated movie. Do you, I don't know. Do you know one that can compare um, emotionally like this? Shrek 2. No, I'm, uh, I'm trying to think. Um, it's a historical piece. It's kind of like a period piece. It's nah, because like even stuff like Prince of Egypt, where there's literally like slaves, is like more uplifting because of the music mm-hmm. and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> there's a happy ending. So. I, you know, Disney movies are sad, but they're not like this. You know, there's well, Prince that those were dream. The, that one was DreamWorks, more DreamWorks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm trying to think. Unless, nah, honestly, the only thing that you could probably do, it's not, I mean, okay, not Western. Okay, not Western, yeah. I would say maybe if you look at uh, anime, most likely. If you look at maybe like something, actually like something Miyazaki, like uh, probably not Miyazaki, but um. I haven't watched it, but from what I've heard, a lot about it of uh, Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, probably would hit people pretty hard. Um, other than that, honestly, there are some... Uh, I feel like there's probably some animes that would probably hit you, but I don't know if they're going to be like that. But I would say at least just guessing, I'm going to say Grave of the Fire. Grave of the Fireflies is probably the closest. And you know what? But this, I, yeah, this is the only that one more like this from so like an Eastern um, filmmaking in eastern yeah. animation for sure i would i would expect that probably but as far as a western thing you're right I, I can't think of a single western creation that like hits you the way this one does and it's it's brilliant i i really don't know why this film isn't talked about more i don't see many flaws within it yeah and it's crazy and it's funny you know this is you know we always try to keep the show an hour guys but this film is just too much to even contain in and we never we we never really summer like basically go in depth and start talking about the actual story mm-hmm. itself of like actually going beat by beat. But I always feel like if it's something like that that happens, it means it had a really really big effect on us to do that yes, kind of thing. Exactly, like, it takes a lot for me to yeah for that to actually occur. But yeah, man, that yeah, that's that's a movie for you, and that's dude, that's a that's an interesting way to finish off April. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. What's next month? What are we diving into next month? It's going to be a lot. So next month is a completely different tone. Well, I I wouldn't say completely. It's like more so um, one tone will be sort of, I guess not really. Yeah, it's completely different tone. I would say the only thing that's similar is probably Kansas. The the Kansas part itself Mm. of the diner. But that's because, and you guys are probably like, wait, what, what are we going to? So we're going to a man who deserves more recognition. We're going to the man himself, George Lucas. And you're probably wondering, wait, so you're just doing Star Wars? I'm like, no, we're not doing Star Wars at all. We're doing his first two films. We're doing THX and we're doing American Graffiti. Yes. And you have no idea how excited I am to do American Graffiti. 
like it, it it's it i'm just i'm so ready for this like it's something i've actually never watched and i've never watched thx either it's like that whole thing of like if you know the average person probably has just seen star wars and maybe indiana jones yeah like at this point now i'm surprised now i'm finding out more and more people never watched it and it's like more and more people i don't want to talk to anymore yeah, what the hell? like it's like, yeah it's a crib movie practically <laughs> yeah it's like how dare you um but yeah we're gonna delve into those and i feel like it's great especially you know american graffiti is very much supposed to be like diners and it's like you know that 50s pop mm-hmm. type stuff it just looks so fun and i guess you could say sort of i don't know if it's gracers are in it or not like i've never seen it but it's also got a young harrison ford it just looks yeah. so much fun and it, it's like you know may it's that gateway you're and you're getting to the hot part of spring it's right before the summer and it feels like such a good gateway to that especially too it's going to feel really good because you know there's more people being vaccinated so it's a great mark of just like we're getting back on the road to like some form of normalcy too. Yeah. That I think that's why I'm also excited for it. That's and then THX just looks like I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> it just looks like insanity. That's super but. cool. I've never seen American Graffiti. I'm super excited to finally watch it and have the opportunity to watch it. Super excited, and it segues way perfectly out of this film too. It's just it's coming right out of this one and some of the inspirations. Um, so I'm very excited for that. I have seen THX. In fact, I own like the special edition like DVD. Really? I this was one of the most inspirational sci-fi movies on me ever i have seen thx uh, uh, a lot and uh like even you know when me and Kato first met i was like we need to watch this movie and i was like if you want to know what type of stuff i'm into like we're watching heavy metal and we're watching thx 1138 like that's what those <laughs> <movies>. <laughs> really <Yeah. laughs> that's so interesting <laughs> let me introduce you to my world right here um THX. You're gonna see now if she runs or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, and it's THX um, is a very different movie than what many expect. Uh, it's not a fast-paced movie at all, um, but it is very sci-fi, and there's a lot that goes on in it. Um, it is brilliant, and I I can't wait to watch it and discuss so much about it because I'm gonna do a bunch of research. I'm so excited. But stay tuned. I'm excited to intermay. Uh, I love these last two months of animated movies and man, summer's here, man. We're going to jump into some crazy stuff. Yeah. And we'll, we'll definitely do um, more animation. I think next year. Yeah. Uh, that was all we have for animated movies for at least 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the year is going to be much more live action, but you know, everything is going to be different. Each month will be completely different because it's different creators and whatnot, but you know, all in due time, we'll talk about them as they come each month. We finish, we'll be like, here's what's coming next and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it'll, it'll be, it'll be great. Yes. But in the meantime, Brandon, where can people find you? Check out Apollo city comics on YouTube and on any podcast, uh, streaming network and check out our Instagram where we post our collection, uh, just upcoming things. We'll be having some giveaways and we have a lot of new, uh, content out right now. So Apollo city comics, just check it out. And Cameron, where can they find all of your additional yik yaks? Yeah, my yik yaks are also available here at Sutra Side Talk, where you're probably listening to this show right now. And of course, uh, you can catch Sutra Side Talk, the weekly show where uh, we talk about games, movie, and TV news and what we've been watching and playing. Uh, that's the weekly show. Uh, we've got also the Cut of Steel, which is currently on hiatus, but will be returning very soon at this point when this comes out. Uh, as we'll be returning. And also, I think Aquaman's a great uh, oh, way yeah. to re-enter 
the sunnier side of things as well. Uh, but we'll be doing that probably more late April-ish, most likely. And then uh, that's, of course, the DCU podcast that we always talk about, the DC stuff there. And, of course, up to it, down to it, which should be either, hopefully, we'll have an episode out around this or soonish. Uh, we've been not here, and that's, you know, every now and again. And it's just been, uh, could have still took up a lot more time than I wanted, yeah. along with uh, guesting on other shows. So I never had time for that one, but we're going to bring it back. And hopefully, I'm, I'm going to try to make sure we get some more at least monthly episodes out, mm. if anything. Yeah. But we're going to do more. And that's uh, random topics where me and some friends from school just talk something random and it goes off the rails. And it's honestly, it's a, it's a really good time. But of course, you can find all of it on various podcast platforms. You can find Sutra Side Talk on Twitter and Instagram at Sutra Side Talk. And of course, you could find me on Twitter at GoGoComZilla. Uh, but that has been uh, our show this week. And for the rest of this month, we'll catch you guys in May. So long. Later.